Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hi, this is Gordon Deal. Join me weekdays for This Morning, America's First News. Hear the stories you'll be talking about and searching for all day as we go beyond the headlines and above the chatter. Weekdays at 5 on Talk 1370. Good afternoon. I'm Casey Johns on Talk 1370. Welcome to Ask the Experts. Joining us here in the studio today, Gary Coffin with GA Coffin and Sons Foundation Repair. Gary, welcome to Ask the Experts. Well, thank you. Glad to have you here. Tell us a little bit about your business, how long you've been doing it, and how long you've been serving Central Texas. Fantastic. Long story short, my father was a swimming pool builder, so I could build an in-ground gunite swimming pool by the time I was 15 with my eyes closed. What we had trouble with was pouring a level deck up against an unlevel house. So we started leveling the houses before we finished out our product, and it didn't take long to dawn on me that swimming pool construction was seasonal, and it was uh, a little bit more uh, for the elite, whereas foundation repair was not seasonal, and everybody needs some help in that area. Not a, not a lot of swimming pools being built there in the winter. <laughs> exactly. Uh, from that, I started studying a little bit more about foundation repair with the universities, their uh, construction departments, and... Decided to go full-fledged into foundation repair in Central Texas 25 years ago. 25 years. That's a long time serving Central Texas. You've probably in that time seen pretty much everything that goes on around here in Central Texas. What causes foundation problems? Well, I, I don't have my soundtrack for, you know, 2001 Space Odyssey, but uh, the timpanis are going. You know, in the beginning there was rock. As that eroded, it turned into minerals that composed soils, and for whatever reason... These soils that are the most devastating to home construction are expansive clay-type soils, and they've deposited on the east side of every major city in Texas. This is east side of Houston, east side of San Antonio, Dallas, you name it. For whatever reason, the east side has a lot of these clays. Now, what these clays really are are just uh, like a sponge. If we get a lot of moisture, they will absorb that moisture. They will expand. When we don't get much, we get these droughts or dry periods as we know them in Texas. Those soils will shrink. Each time these soils expand and shrink back, there's a little molecular bonding that goes on, and they will not quite expand back 100%. So over a period of 10, 15, 20 years of these cycles of expansion and contraction, they stop supporting the foundations that they su are supposed to be supporting above them. So this is a, an ongoing problem we have in all of Texas. Uh, predominantly, the east side is where you're going to find most of your clay as you get out further here toward the west side. Not as much, but still prevalent. Uh, you can have problems with other soil types, like a sandy silt soil, but you'll find that more uh, where you find pine trees. Uh, pine trees need air at their roots to survive, and clay soils does not allow for that to happen. It, it holds water in the clays and does not drain well, so you won't find many pine trees in areas that have the expansive clay soils. You mentioned most of the east side of the major cities of the state. Why are there so many foundation problems right here in central Texas? Again, uh, we have big, dramatic swings in our weather. We get monsoons, and then we get nothing, and that does not bode well for that clay soil. 
in a perfect world, if we got an inch and a half of rainfall every week, like clockwork, we would never have foundation issues. In keeping with that, if you could keep moisture around your foundation the same year round, you would not have foundation related problems. It would expand the soils and hold them in that state and you wouldn't go through those dramatic losses of volume over the years. You're listening to Ask the Experts. In the studio, we've got Gary Coffin, GA Coffin and Sons Foundation Repair. You can find them on the web, foundationandleveling.com. Also, give them a call, 512-33-LEVEL. Feel free to call in with any questions there. 25 years of experience serving Central Texas. Gary, let's talk a little bit about foundation repair in general. What types of repair are there? Well, there's everything from the small partial repair of a structure to the complete. Uh, the history has gone that, you know, FHA, VA used to require if you had a foundation issue that you would have an engineer consult and repair the entire structure in order to comply with their product requirements. As uh, these problems became more obvious and evident and more concrete construction became the norm where we have slab foundations sitting right on these expansive soils, they have loosened up those requirements to where they now only require that if you have a failure that you have an engineer sign off on it and you can do a partial repair if it's just one corner of your house that's settled a bit you can have that re-raised inspected by the engineer and you'll comply with FHV, FHAVA. Uh, as far as uh, why in one specific area over the other again it all goes back to moisture you have trees that play into this uh, relationship when a home is built, there's not a lot of, of trees that are at maturity. As they begin to mature, they start taking more and more moisture out of the soil. So you have this tree that's like a giant straw sucking moisture out of the house on one side and perhaps no trees on the other side, creating a, a difference in the soil moisture from one side of the house to the other. A University of Texas put out a report uh, decades ago that said the minimum distance from your foundation you should plant a hardwood tree is the adult height of the tree. So to take that back and make it a little simpler for our friends at the Capitol. If you plant a tree that has the adult height potential of, say, 100 feet, you're supposed to plant that 100 feet from your foundation. So you wouldn't have trees in your yard. They'd be in the middle of the street. They'd be in the neighbor's yard, but you wouldn't have any. I was going to say, hard, hard to do on a lot of the lots here in the city of Austin. Exactly. And as they build these new subdivisions, I get tickled because the first thing they do when they're done landscaping is plant a tree 15 feet from the front door. And I tell my kids, hey, we'll be back to this neighborhood. We will get a call. Almost guaranteed there will be problems down That's the road. Right. How do I know if I actually need a foundation repair? What are, what are some of the common symptoms? Sure. Well, I'm a very, very much a realist on this. We want a foundation to do two things. One is to support the structure above it, and two is to keep your feet out of the dirt. And if it does those two things well, we don't consider it failed. People ask me, well, what does that mean? Well, I have to take it back to function. If you can open and close and latch and lock your front and back doors, your sliding doors, if your windows open and close and then latch and lock properly, then the, the performance of the structure seems to be pretty good. If you get to a situation where you can't do those things or you start getting some severe cracking in your sheetrock or in your brick or rock veneers, um, we don't want to leave things open for moisture infiltration into the wall or insect intrusion. So that becomes a concern 
uh, that might uh, warrant a call to us to just have a take a look at it and see if there is actually foundation movement or if it's more or less expansion contraction cracking, which we can get into detail. And you touched on, you know, moisture getting into the walls, insects. What, what are some of the other things that can happen if I don't get a foundation problem repaired? Well, laughingly, in all my presentations over the years, I, I used to tell people I seldom see a foundation that's condemnable uh, where you, you really don't feel safe. But I, I was sitting with a couple and telling them that, oh, it's very rare that the house is going to, you know, the roof's going to fall in on you. And they took me to the attic and sure enough, half of their roof was hanging down because as the foundation settled, it literally pulled the nails out of the rafters and wow. let the roof just kind of hang there. But that is the exception. We don't sell from fear. We were very realistic about what you can expect. But generally, when, you're, when your home starts deteriorating due to foundation issues, you can have underslab plumbing, plumbing problems occur because of that. That can accelerate the foundation deterioration. Uh, you certainly don't want cracks in the exterior that, again, allow moisture or insect intrusion. You're talking termites. You're talking water ants. Um, when sheetrock cracks, it, it breaches your fire safety that the sheetrock is designed to protect you from. So in those cases, you have a, a lack of performance of the foundation. And although we may not call it full-blown failure, we would recommend in many of those cases some support of the foundation. And certainly a lot of the ways uh, to protect the investment in your home by getting it repaired. Yes. I mean, it, you, it's, it's very difficult to get a mortgage company to give a loan on a home with a foundation issue. Most of them just poo-poo that, and you have to have that repaired and often inspected by an engineer in order just to get a mortgage on the property. So in terms of what we do does not necessarily improve your property value. It restores your equity and your property value back to what it should be. Absolutely. We're visiting with Gary Coffin, GA Coffin and Sons Foundation Repair here on Ask the Experts. You can find them on the web, foundationandleveling.com. Also, give them a call, 512-33-LEVEL. They are the experts serving Central Texas for more than 25 years. Gary, before we run to a break here, one more question for you on how do I prevent foundation? problems what's the what's the best things that people can do to uh, kind of protect their the investment in their homes yeah vigilance um, certainly if we haven't had rainfall in a, uh, a week or two it's a good idea to get outside and check the soil moisture uh, one of the ways it's kind of easy for people to do that is to take a long hand you know, a long screwdriver and if you can push it into the soil without beating it with a hammer then you have good soil moisture the other thing you can look at is whether the soil is drying and pulling away from the foundation if you see cracks in the soil large enough for a cat to fall in, for instance, that's a bad sign. We see that often. Uh, that soil moisture is key to keeping the, the movement of your foundation to the minimum. So you would want to try to water around your foundation during a period of drought or dry periods. Uh, you would want to perhaps prune large trees uh, to reduce the leaf surface area of the tree. It's, it's not the tree that transpires the moisture into the atmosphere. It's the actual leaf. So the less leaf you have, the less moisture that tree needs to thrive and the less uh, moisture it'll take from the soil and starve your foundation moisture. Um, as far as during the wet seasons, the rainy seasons, too much water can become an issue. You want to make sure that you create positive drainage away from your foundation during a rainstorm so that moisture doesn't pool up against the foundation in one area and drain freely in another, setting up that differential that we don't like to see. So having a good positive drainage away from the foundation to keep moisture from pooling near or under the foundation is preferable. Watering during the periods of drought, pruning trees, these are all just things that can help you control that. Again, in a perfect world, if we keep the moisture around our foundation the same year round, we have no movement. 
everything in moderation. The old adage holds true for this like everything else. As well, yes. Gary Coffin, GA Coffin and Sons Foundation Repair, joining us on Ask the Experts today. Time to step aside for a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about foundation repair, how that process looks, what the costs are, and all of that. You're listening to Ask the Experts on Talk 1370. We'll be back after this. Take talk with you anywhere. On your computer or smartphone, log on to Talk1370.com. What a beautiful, beautiful site. Stay connected with Talk 1370, the right choice. You have made the right choice. Talk 1370. Welcome back to Ask the Experts on Talk 1370. I'm Casey Johns, joined in the studio today by Gary Coffin, GA Coffin and Sons Foundation Repair. You can find them on the web, foundationandleveling.com. Also, give them a call, 512-33-LEVEL, 512-335-3835. Gary, we spent a lot of the last segment talking about how Central Texas is particularly challenging for foundation issues and foundation problems. Let's talk about the repair process a little bit. On average, how much does a repair cost? And I know that's a loaded question. It is a loaded question. You'll find on the on the lower end in the uh, twenty five hundred to three thousand dollar range is is typical. In the higher end, it's easy to spend thirty even forty thousand dollars on a foundation repair, depending on circumstances. The average, if I had to quote a number, would probably be in the $5,500 to $8,500 range. I know a lot of real estate investors. Uh, in fact, I've been a speaker at the Austin Real Estate uh, Networking Club for many, many years, a speaker at the Austin Real Estate Investors Association, the Real Estate Investment Club of Houston, the San Antonio Real Estate Investors Club. I could go on. And the the recurring uh, theme on, on expense is they walk around thinking it's going to be $20,000 to fix my foundation. That's really not the case. Again, as the FHA, VA loosened their restraint, we're able to do partial repairs that just fix what is broken, no more. There are varying degrees at which you can fix a foundation. I've had a little old lady that just couldn't lock her front door. She didn't have any money, so I went and got a jack. I jacked up the front door and made her door work and thanked her for the opportunity to be of service and walked away. Uh, I've also had the other where the, the entire house was 10 inches out of level, and this is a home that was not a year old. Uh, it was uniformly tilted 10 inches from the front door to the back door, but that's a little bit abusive. Uh, that's so Especially enough. only a year in, wow. Oh, yeah, brand new home. And, uh, you know, a dog could play fetch with himself. He just brings the ball to the t- you know, front door, drops it, and chases it through the house. Uh, so, again, uh, getting an average, it's, it's difficult. You can't base it on square footage because you could have a house shaped like a daisy that's 2,000 square feet and another one that's just a big box at 2,000 square feet, and the one that is the box would be less expensive to repair than the daisy-shaped one. Uh, so we're, we're happy to look at uh, projects for realtors. We're happy to look at projects for real estate investors as well as any homeowner that has a problem that they feel needs to be looked at at this point. And again, if you're having, uh, if you think you're having foundation problems or know you're having foundation problems, give uh, Gary and his team a call, 512-33-LEVEL or on the web at foundationandleveling.com. You talked about the cost there. Is that something that insurance typically covers? Not anymore. In the old days, there were policies that would cover foundation movement, plumbing leaks, uh, things of that nature. But uh, many insurance companies have since rewritten all of those policies to exclude foundation repair to exclude under slab plumbing repair. 
Uh, some of the old timers may still have a policy in effect that covers some or, or all of that. So I don't say unequivocally no, but for the most part, your insurance is there for catastrophic things, not things that they can trace back to a lack of maintenance. And that's when we get back to the first segment where we talked about watering around your foundation, pruning trees, positive drainage. Uh, so again, for the, the the masses, insurance is not going to cover this. What are the best ways? You, you talk there about watering the foundation and, and some general maintenance. What, generally speaking, what are the best ways if I have a repair done and I and I go through paying this expense to to right things that are wrong with my house and my foundation? What's the best way to preserve that repair and, and maintain that work? Yeah, maintenance is very much what we've been talking about. Uh, watering around the foundation to try to get that moisture as uniform as possibly as possible. The the positive drainage aspect is important. Um, you know, there are automated systems out there that are available. My problem with those is these same soils that wreak havoc on your foundation tend to wreak havoc on the sensors. And the last thing you want is some monster in your yard while you're on vacation overwatering or forgetting to turn on an underwatering. So uh, the, the conservative side of me says I wouldn't trust a gizmo to do these types of, of things. Walk around your house, look for that soil that might be cracking in your yard, cracking near the foundation. Uh, that's a clear indication you need to add moisture. If you want to use the screwdriver technique, that, that works good at just testing the soil moisture near your foundation. Uh, interesting enough, there were, were some studies done by the universities. Uh, University of Texas uh, did a study uh, where they had two identical structures, one that was completely uh, surrounded by flower beds and one that was surrounded by a concrete apron of about four feet, like a sidewalk, if you will. Hmm. Um, our thought was that, you know, if you had the flower beds, you would water around the foundation more frequently, maintaining the health of the plants and, of course, water your yard as you normally would. Um, and we just thought that that would be a better performer than the apron. But as it turned out, it was the opposite. That four foot of concrete near the foundation worked as a buffer. It created a lid on the pot that stopped evaporation of the moisture from the soil. It uh, allowed for uh, a little more time between waterings, uh, which is good for this area of, the, of Texas because, again, we don't get water every week like we would like to. And that uh, lid on the pot helped that moisture kind of stabilize a little bit to where you didn't have massive losses of moisture and then massive increases in moisture. So we've learned from maintenance on that that, you know, again, if you do have flower beds with shrubs, which a lot of us love those shrubs up against the windows, the prickly ones that keep the burglars out of the house, they're great, but they require water too. So we need to make sure that we water sufficiently for the plant health, the grass, your yard. Uh, I mean, when watering uh, really gets analyzed, if, if you can sit under a shade tree and read a newspaper, there's plenty of light to grow grass. The reason grass isn't growing around your tree is because it's not getting the moisture it needs to grow. Because the tree is taking it the away. The tree is taking it all away. So monitoring how much moisture you have, making sure that you have good positive drainage. Those are, are important factors in maintaining your foundation. We're talking all things foundation repair and foundation problems with Gary Coffin. You're listening to Ask the Experts. Our expert today, Gary Coffin, GA Coffin and Sons Foundation Repair. Find them on the web, foundationandleveling.com, 512-33-LEVEL. Their phone number, easy to remember there, 512-33-LEVEL. If you uh, think you have foundation problems or know you have foundation problems, give Gary and his team a call. They'll kind of take a look for you. Gary Talking about repairs, what's the average repair? How long does it take? What's the process? How much pain and suffering am I going to go through to get that uh, to get that necessary work done? We're going to do that in two parts. I mean, if you have a pier and beam style home, these are the older homes that were built on uh, some type of support, whether it be a cedar post, whether it be a concrete 
a pier, but there's a crawl space under the house where you can actually have access under your home's floors for mechanical maintenance, things of that nature. With those particular homes, repairs are less expensive. However, they are more frequent. We're talking about a, a, a much lighter structure in most cases. Uh, it doesn't put as much weight on the soils that we can use to make a good permanent repair. So when you have a, a pier and beam home that's repaired, it's, it's generally going to last you 10, maybe 15 years with proper maintenance and may need a, an adjustment or a tweaking at that stage of the game. Uh, with a slab-on-grade home, which most of the newer homes in the last 20, 30 years have been predominantly made out of, mm -hmm. uh, there is enough weight there to be able to affect a permanent repair uh, on the areas that are repaired. And uh, with that, the cost is higher, but we do give warranties on both of these types of homes. With pier and beam homes, if there's any movement in the first year, we'll assume that we did something wrong, and we'll come back out and adjust that at no charge to our customers. Beyond that first year, if we have to come back 10, 15 years later and adjust it, we charge by the hour. I believe it's $100 an hour plus materials. The average readjustment of our work in, in the past has been about four hours. So it's easy to budget that when you've done business with it. And initially, you're never going to have to pull out that big, huge expense again. With the slab homes, it's a lifetime transferable warranty that uh, just simply states if our work settles for any reason, we come back and, and repair that without cost to the owner. Now, this does exclude some, you know, negligent things. If you're built on a slope, let's face it, all of Austin is trying to migrate through Houston on its way to the Gulf of Mexico. So, slopes that are not retained properly tend to void the warranty. If you allow that moisture to pool under or near your foundation, or if you have a pipe that leaks, those things can void these warranties as well. So, you know, common sense prevails. You, you still, after doing repair, will still want to keep up with your maintenance. Exactly, yeah. Like, you, like you've been saying, you, you definitely have to keep up with the maintenance and protect that investment, not only that you made originally in the home, but also the repair after the fact. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're booming so much here. We have what we call uh, victimized Yankees. No offense to anyone from the north, but you move to Texas and you're not given a handbook on the care and feeding of your foundation. It just doesn't happen. So we try to fill that void with our Foundation 101 that we're kind of doing here on air. Almost something we should pass out at the state border. You would think, yes. <laughs> make make uh, it a pamphlet. That's right. It should be. <laughs> Speaking of Foundation 101, we're visiting with Gary Coffin, GA Coffin and Sons Foundation Repair, 512-33-LEVEL, foundationandleveling.com. If you've got any kind of foundation problems that you think are going on with your home, he's your guy. Give him a call, 512-33-LEVEL. Talking about repair, how long does that, how long does the repair process take on average? On a, on a pure and beam style home, usually it's a few days. On a slab home, it can be anywhere from two or three days to as much as a week, even 10 days. If it's a large enough property, I've seen them go two weeks. Just depends on the, the mass of work that's there. And is that something that I need to move out of the house, get all my stuff out, or how, how does that process work? Well, as houses settle, generally they'll settle toward the exterior of the home first. This is because that's the area that's not covered by slab or crawl space, and it tends to lose moisture quickly. Uh, it's exposed to the elements, the sun, the trees, the bushes. So your first repair on a home will generally be an exterior repair where... Some piers are, are placed or releveling takes place on perimeter piers only. In a scenario like that, we're not going to be in the home except to come in and actually supervise the leveling process, perhaps to plug in a cord or two. If you're doing an entire home where the interior is affected as well, then it's a little more difficult on the homeowner to live in the property while that's being done. We do it all the time, uh, but it is a, it's going to be a, uh, an ongoing thing for the homeowner. Uh, there's a lot of dust that's related to going through the slab to impart the repair. 
We do offer tunneling services where we can tunnel under the slab and you don't have to move anything and you won't have any dust in your home. My experience has been the expense of that. You could replace all of your finished flooring and take a European vacation and still save money. So unless you have money to burn and just don't want to be inconvenienced or have elderly family that just can't be inconvenienced, tunnels are generally not done. We, we do offer them and do them all the time. But uh, as far as, as moving out, yes, it's recommended. No, it's not mandatory. We'll move your possessions in the room as needed and cover them so that they're protected. You will still be doing some dusting for several weeks after this work is done. Just do the nature of micro dust. A lot of things going to shake loose as the leveling process goes on. Well, yeah, we ask that you take down all your knickknacks and all your art. I don't want to drop anybody's, uh, you know, pollard or anything like that or pollock and, and have it be a, an issue. So. We're visiting with Gary Coffin, GA Coffin and Sons Foundation Repair here on Ask the Experts. He's your foundation expert, foundationandleveling.com, the website, 512-33-LEVEL. We'll step aside for a couple of minutes and be right back. You're listening to Ask the Experts on Talk 1370. Back after these messages. Texas weather can change on a dime. Flash flooding is expected to begin shortly. When the weather turns severe, turn to us for what you need to know. On air and online at Talk1370.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. And welcome back to Ask the Experts on Talk 1370. I'm Casey Johns, joined in the studio this afternoon by Gary Coffin, GA Coffin and Sons Foundation Repair. We're talking all things foundation issues, foundation problems, a prevalent issue here in Central Texas. These are the guys you want to call if you think you've got a problem with your home, foundationandleveling.com, or give them a call, 512-33-LEVEL. That's 512-335-3800. 35. Gary, let's talk a little Foundation 101, if you will. Talk about the different kinds of foundations that we see here in Central Texas. Very good. I've seen everything from a poured slab on grade, which is pretty prominent in new construction in the last, oh, say, 30, 40 years. That seems to have been what everyone moved to after the war. Uh, during the war, we had issues with steel supply. So there are some slabs out there that literally don't have steel reinforcement throughout them. Uh, they would put a few bars in the perimeter grade beam, and then they would call for inspection, pour the concrete, and move to the next one. Uh, we have the slab on grade with post-tension cabling, which is very common in new home construction. That's where they'll lay down cables, pour the concrete, and then they'll tighten those cables to put everything in compression, trying to make a more rigid floating raft-type foundation, as it were. When that's properly done, it doesn't necessarily mean you won't have foundation issues. I'm reminded of one that we did about 15 years ago. It was a 65-foot-long house, and it was 18 inches out of level from the front to the back, and it had tilted like a barge. There were no cracks in the sheetrock. There were no issues in the house other than the fact that it was 18 inches out of level. Uh, so the better design, the less drama you'll experience in the movement, but you would still get some movement. Uh, with uh, pier and beam style homes. These are the original houses that were farmhouse style, if you will. They have the crawl space underneath. I, I grew up in one. Yeah, in the old days, there was an abundance of cedar, so they built many of those on cedar posts. If you still have a home on cedar posts, you are on borrowed time. These cedars have been in the ground so long that they have rotted to the points of toothpicks at the bottom. And uh, when you take the weight off of them, oftentimes you kick them with your foot and they fall over. 
Uh, a lot of those pier and beams are done in poured concrete. I have seen them on stacked rocks. I've seen them on brick piers. So there are a number of different ways of supporting a pier and beam structure, some a little longer lasting than others. But because of this uh, expansive clay soil that we have throughout the central Texas area, pretty much all of those repairs are subject to some movement at some point in time in the future. Uh, when we were, we were discussing the types of foundations, uh, again, I think the top two are going to be slab or pier and beam. And the, uh, the amount of damage done between the two is just dependent on the age of the home mostly, the maturation of trees around the foundation. Those things are issues. Even if you cut every tree on your property, the neighbors still got roots up under your foundation. So these are things to, to consider when you're looking at your home. Yeah, it's not just what's on your in your particular lot, it's everything from your neighbors as well that could affect it. So now we've gone over the different types of foundations. Let's talk a little bit about the different types of repairs that you'll face with some of those different uh, types of foundations. Very good. Uh, with pier and beam foundations, the recommended repair is generally what they call a sonotube type pier. It's a poured concrete pier where you'll dig down about two feet in the ground. It'll be a two square, two by two type of footing that will be poured about 10 or 12 inches thick with steel reinforcing. From that comes up either a round cardboard form known as a sonotube or a square built form that you will also put steel reinforcing and then you'll pour that whole monolith in concrete. That uh, is, is really the most common pier and beam type repair. Not that you couldn't use steel or several other types of materials to create a pier but you would be replacing defective cedar piers or defective concrete piers. And people often ask, well, how do I know if it's defective? Well, generally, if a pier has settled more than two inches, that's a good indicator that it needs to be replaced. If it's tilted to where it can't hold shims properly, that would be another uh, reason to replace those piers. Uh, the city generally frowns on anything more than two inches in the way of shims on top of a pier. The other options for pier and beam homes would be to replace cedar piers with treated posts. This would be wood and it would be treated. Most treated posts have about a hundred year life expectancy. I've I'm, I'm been in the business 36 years and I have not had enough time to tell you whether that's true or not. I don't know that that treated pier will last that long in these soils. They're highly acidic and generally very aggressive. But uh, that being said, uh, I don't recommend that often. Replacing wood with wood doesn't make much sense when it comes into contact with earth. Uh, so the poured concrete pier is the most common. You can opt to do what they call block and base. And this is where you would dig down a little less uh, depth to place a precast concrete pad like you may see on modular homes. And from that, you would stack precast blocks up to the bottom of the beams of the foundation shimming it much in the same way as you would the poured concrete pier. Uh, when people ask me which do I prefer, I personally prefer to use the dry stack block and base piers. My reason for that is if you do have movement in the future, I can dig that back up, reset that, reshim that, and I have not the time material of demoing and hauling out and pouring new. It's very adjustable. Uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of basically just reset the pieces to now fit how the lot and the soil beneath the house is set now. Right, right. In, in other words, when a, a precast pier settles, you don't have a choice but to jackhammer it out and re-pour it. If a block and base settles, you can pull the whole thing apart in a matter of minutes, reassemble, re-shim, and you're good to go. So that's, I leave that up to the homeowners. That's really more of a budgetary and, uh, 
and in some cases, soil conditions do dictate, which I recommend. Um, with slab homes, uh, there are a number of different repair products out there. I have never let a product go without my investigation. I've gone as far as Montgomery, Alabama to check out different methods of foundation repair just to make sure that we have the largest selection and know when and where to use these. If you're in a drier, more arid area, steel piers are an option to foundation repair. Uh, they're much more expensive due to the cost of steel. Uh, they are prone to deterioration over time because of dissimilar metals and electrolysis that occurs in the soils. So depending on the circumstances, if you have a lot of rock or very dry, tight ground, I might recommend a steel pier. There are helical piers. These are steel piers with just what it sounds like, kind of a helix that is welded to the shaft, and they're screwed into the ground. They're not driven or, or pressed, but screwed in. Uh, they are a wonderful product for new construction where we know we're going to have issues in the future and to get ahead of that we'll install those in existing homes they are much harder to install because we're back to doing something that requires a precise angle to load properly. Uh, if you could tear the overhangs off your roof, it would be a lot easier to install those properly. Uh, when you get into interior repairs, you can't bring truck-mounted equipment into the interior of the home, so you're not going to be able to get as deep and get a permanent repair as you would like. Uh, but we do offer those. The most common repair of a slab is going to be a pressed piling. It's a precast concrete cylindrical-shaped section that each section is driven into the soil using the weight of the structure above it, and you can get alignment that's straight up and down, perpendicular to the foundation of the home. You're able to add one section on top of the other until you reach refusal. And refusal generally comes in one of two ways. You just can't push down anymore because the machine can't push past 20 tons. Or the structure starts going up dramatically and you don't want to tear it up. So you'll terminate at that point. Uh, that's the most common pier that we use in this area. It works very well in these clay soils. Uh, our failure rate over the 36 years that I've used it has been less than one-half of 1%, 1 and that's usually traced back to light structures in tight soils where we didn't get the depth we would have liked, and we pretty much knew that it was going to you know, have a little bit of a settlement. So we're very pleased with that product. Uh, we have combinations of the two. There are steel-cased, concrete-filled pilings that can be installed. Uh, the old method, the one that uh, was in, in use heavily when I first started in the business, was a poured concrete drilled pier. And this is where they would drill under the foundation, ream out a bell shape at the bottom, put some steel in it, pour concrete, wait for that to dry, come back, re-raise the house, backfill. Uh, that, again, is subject to access issues on existing homes. It's very hard to get the depth you need on those piers at the right angle so that you're loading the bell properly and not just creating more weight and adding more problems to the issue. For that reason, uh, we don't do many of those. There, there are, I'm sure, a soil condition out there that would require that be the only repair method. I've yet to see it. In most cases, it's going to be a pressed piling, steel pier, helical pier solution. In 36 years, he's seen a lot. Gary Coffin, our expert in the studio this afternoon. GA Coffin and Sons Foundation Repair on the web, foundationandleveling.com. 512-33-LEVEL, the phone number. If you've got a, think you've got foundation problems or issues with your home, give them a call. They'll come take a look for you and take care of you. Serving Central Texas again for 36 years. We're going to take a break and be right back. You're listening to Ask the Experts on Talk 1370. 
take talk with you anywhere with the all-new Talk 1370 app. Listen to your favorite shows, keep up with the latest breaking news, and more. Search for Talk 1370 in the App Store or find the links at talk1370.com. It's anywhere I need. Talk 1370, the right choice. And welcome back to Ask the Experts on Talk 1370. I'm Casey Johns, joined in the studio this afternoon by Gary Coffin, GA Coffin and Sons Foundation Repair. We're talking all things foundation issues, foundation problems, a prevalent issue here in Central Texas. These are the guys you want to call if you think you've got a problem with your home, foundationandleveling.com, or give them a call, 512-33-LEVEL. That's 512-335-3800. 35. Gary, let's talk a little Foundation 101, if you will. Talk about the different kinds of foundations that we see here in Central Texas. Very good. I've seen everything from a poured slab on grade, which is pretty prominent in new construction in the last, oh, say, 30, 40 years. That seems to have been what everyone moved to after the war. Uh, during the war, we had issues with steel supply. So there are some slabs out there that literally don't have steel reinforcement throughout them. Uh, they would put a few bars in the perimeter grade beam and then they would call for inspection for the concrete and move to the next one. Uh, we have the slab on grade with post-tension cabling which is very common in new home construction. That's where they'll lay down cables, pour the concrete and then they'll tighten those cables to put everything in compression trying to make a more rigid floating raft type foundation as it were. When that's properly done, it doesn't necessarily mean you won't have foundation issues. I'm reminded of one that we did about 15 years ago. It was a 65-foot-long house, and it was 18 inches out of level from the front to the back, and it had tilted like a barge. There were no cracks in the sheetrock. There were no issues in the house other than the fact that it was 18 inches out of level. Uh, So the better design, the less drama you'll experience in the movement, but you would still get some movement. Uh, with uh, pier and beam style homes, these are the original houses that were farmhouse style, if you will. They have the crawl space underneath. I, I grew up in one. Yeah, in the old days there was an abundance of cedar, so they built many of those on cedar posts. If you still have a home on cedar posts, you are on borrowed time. These cedars have been in the ground so long that they have rotted to the points of toothpicks at the bottom. And uh, when you take the weight off of them, oftentimes you kick them with your foot and they fall over. Uh, A lot of those pier and beams are done in poured concrete. I have seen them on stacked rocks. I've seen them on brick piers. So there are are a number of different ways of supporting a pier and beam structure, some a little longer lasting than others. But because of this uh, expansive clay soil that we have throughout the Central Texas area, pretty much all of those repairs are subject to some movement at some point in time in the future. when we were, we're, we're discussing the types of foundations, uh, again, I think the top two are going to be slab or pier and beam. And the, uh, the amount of damage done between the two is just dependent on the age of the home mostly, the maturation of trees around the foundation. Those things are issues. Even if you cut every tree on your property, the neighbors still got roots up under your foundation. So these are things to, to consider when you're looking at your home. Yeah, it's not just what's on your in your particular lot, it's everything from your neighbors as well that could affect it. So now we've gone over the different types of foundations. Let's talk a little bit about the different types of repairs that you'll face with some of those different uh, types of foundations. Very good. Uh, with pier and beam foundations, the recommended repair is generally what they call a sonotube type pier. 
It's a poured concrete pier where you'll dig down about two feet in the ground. It'll be a two square, two by two type footing that will be poured about 10 or 12 inches thick with steel reinforcing. From that comes up either a round cardboard form known as a sauna tube or a square built form that you will also put steel reinforcing and then you'll pour that whole monolith in concrete. That uh, is, is really the most common pier and beam type repair. Not that you couldn't use steel or several other types of materials to create a pier, but you would be replacing defective cedar piers or defective concrete piers. And people often ask, well, how do I know if it's defective? Well, generally, if a pier has settled more than two inches, that's a good indicator that it needs to be replaced. If it's tilted to where it can't hold shims properly, that would be another uh, reason to replace those piers. Uh, the city generally frowns on anything more than two inches in the way of shims on top of a pier. The other options for pier and beam homes would be to replace cedar piers with treated posts. This would be wood and it would be treated. Most treated posts have about a hundred year life expectancy. I've I'm, I'm been in the business 36 years and I have not had enough time to tell you whether that's true or not. I don't know that that treated pier will last that long in these soils. They're highly acidic and generally very aggressive. But uh, that being said, uh, I don't recommend that often. Replacing wood with wood doesn't make much sense when it comes into contact with earth. Uh, so the poured concrete pier is the most common. You can opt to do what they call block and base. And this is where you would dig down a little less uh, depth to place a precast concrete pad like you may see on modular homes. And from that, you would stack precast blocks up to the bottom of the beams of the foundation, shimming it much in the same way as you would the poured concrete pier. Uh, when people ask me which do I prefer, I personally prefer to use the dry stack block and base piers. My reason for that is if you do have movement in the future, I can dig that back up, reset that, reshim that, and I have not the time material of demoing and hauling out and pouring new. It's very adjustable. Uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of basically just reset the pieces to now fit how the lot and the soil beneath the house is set now. Right, right. In, in other words, when a, a precast pier settles, you don't have a choice but to jackhammer it out and repour it. If a block and base settles, you can pull the whole thing apart in a matter of minutes, reassemble, reshim, and you're good to go. So that's I leave that up to the homeowners. That's really more of a budgetary, and, uh, and in some cases, soil conditions do dictate, which I recommend. Um, with slab homes, uh, there are a number of different repair products out there. I have never let a product go without my investigation. I've gone as far as Montgomery, Alabama to check out different methods of foundation repair just to make sure that we have the largest selection and know when and where to use these. If you're in a drier, more arid area, steel piers are an option to foundation repair. Uh, they're much more expensive due to the cost of steel. Uh, they are prone to deterioration over time because of dissimilar metals and electrolysis that occurs in the soils. So depending on the circumstances, if you have a lot of rock or very dry, tight ground, I might recommend a steel pier. There are helical piers. These are steel piers with just what it sounds like, kind of a helix that is welded to the shaft, and they're screwed into the ground. They're not driven or, or pressed, but screwed in. Uh, they are a wonderful product for new construction where we know we're going to have issues in the future and to get ahead of that, we'll install those. In existing homes, they're much harder to install because we're back to doing something that requires a precise angle to load properly. Uh, if you could tear the overhangs off your roof, 
it would be a lot easier to install those properly. Uh, when you get into interior repairs, you can't bring truck-mounted equipment into the interior of the home, so you're not going to be able to get as deep and get a permanent repair as you would like. Uh, but we do offer those. The most common repair of a slab is going to be a pressed piling. It's a precast concrete cylindrical-shaped section that each section is driven into the soil using the weight of the structure above it, and you can get alignment that's straight up and down perpendicular to the foundation of the home. You're able to add one section on top of the other until you reach refusal. And refusal generally comes in one of two ways. You just can't push down anymore because the machine can't push past 20 tons or the structure starts going up dramatically and you don't want to tear it up, so you'll terminate at that point. Uh, that's the most common pier that we use in this area. It works very well in these clay soils. Uh, our failure rate over the 36 years that I've used it has been less than one-half of 1%, and that's usually traced back to light structures in tight soils where we didn't get the depth we would have liked, and we pretty much knew that it was going to you know, have a little bit of a settlement. So we're very pleased with that product. Uh, we have combinations of the two. There are steel-cased, concrete-filled pilings that can be installed. Uh, the old method, the one that uh, was in, in use heavily when I first started in the business, was a poured concrete drilled pier. And this is where they would drill under the foundation, ream out a bell shape at the bottom, put some steel in it, pour concrete, wait for that to dry, come back, re-raise the house, backfill. Uh, that, again, is subject to access issues on existing homes. It's very hard to get the depth you need on those piers at the right angle so that you're loading the bell properly and not just creating more weight and adding more problems to the issue. For that reason, uh, we don't do many of those. There, there are, I'm sure, a soil condition out there that would require that be the only repair method. I've yet to see it. In most cases, it's going to be a pressed piling, steel pier, helical pier solution. In 36 years, he's seen a lot. Gary Coffing, our expert in the studio this afternoon. GA Coffing and Sons Foundation Repair on the web, foundationandleveling.com. 512-33-LEVEL, the phone number. If you've got, uh, think you've got foundation problems or issues with your home, give them a call. They'll come take a look for you and take care of you. Serving Central Texas again for 36 years. We're going to take a break and be right back. You're listening to Ask the Experts on Talk 1370. If every talk radio program were the same, what would be the point? The Michael Berry Show is a little bit different. We're going to talk about politics, but we'll also talk about how great it is to live in Texas. Weekdays 5 to 7 on Talk 1370. It's the Michael Berry Show. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.